0: That's right. You're in the middle of a Christopher Nolan movie. But don't worry because that means you're actually at the beginning or anywhere in between. How does that make sense? Why would anyone do that? The answer? Because he can. He's that good. Christopher Nolan has come to define an era of filmmaking where no matter how many times you watch a movie, you are left with as many questions as answers. All you know is that what you just watched was great even if you can't explain exactly why. I hear what you're saying, but true, that sounds awful. I don't watch movies to hurt my head or challenge how I view the world. I watch movies to see things go boom and watch cars turn into robot people and shoot other robot people to death as the actual people run through the alien robot war zone totally safe because they're high school kids who are in love and have found the all-seeing power crystal that will make it so that everything I didn't like doesn't happen and all the good things that make my heart go wee do happen don't worry we like those movies too but today we decided to take on a slightly tougher concept why is christopher nolan such a great director is it because michael Caine is in nearly every one of his movies sure is it because he understood that people now watch the movies they like over and over again and it's worth putting the time and effort into creating a complex narrative that rewards that behavior yeah that makes sense Is it because he's the only person who can jumble up a storyline so that you know exactly what you need to know, but not until exactly when you need to know it, despite showing you everything happening all at once? I don't understand the question anymore. But I know the answer is yes, because I believe in Christopher Nolan. Join us as we attempt to walk through three of Nolan's most complex films in an attempt to finally nail down how this man has turned Hollywood upside down, inside out, and backwards. So I hope you've been keeping track of your sticky notes and been watching for the turn because that swelling orchestral piece in the background lets you know it's time to wake up. Wow, really great intro! It's so awesome. Welcome to not the podcast you deserve, the podcast you needed. Um, where one of your hosts spent nine hours this week watching the Godfather series to atone for his <laughs> sins. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I want to I wanna throw it to y'all. What's going on in y'all cinematic universes? I'm crying. That's
1: You really watched all three of them?
0: Oh, yeah. What? Is, oh, how bad is yeah. three? It's been a long time since I've three. You know what? I did not hate three as much as I thought I was going to. Really? Everybody led me to believe. I do think watching them back to back to back is not the way to do it.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Oh, it, you went nine consecutive hours.
0: I, I, I split up between two days, but... I was like, all right, I'm done with that one. Take a little breathe, do a lap, and then let's go to the next one.
1: <laughs> I uh, I finally got two hours to myself last night. And so I immediately got home and uh, bought John Wick and watched John Wick last yes, night to atone yes. for my sins uh, from the previous podcast. And I have some thoughts that I'd like to share with you about John Wick. Uh, number okay. one, loved yes. that Reek was the bad guy who messed everything up for the family because it's we've seen that before and done that. Um, I really like that, uh, that the, uh, that mayhem from, uh, from that insurance, whichever one it is. Oh, that's the first time I think I've seen him in a movie. He was like a boyfriend or something. Yeah, but Vulture, that's right. And he was a boyfriend in 30 Rock and he was the Vulture in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's the first time I think I've seen him in a movie though. And I could not take anything he said. Like, I was just like, he's about to break the fourth wall and say, you know, Mayhem. (laughs) Look out for mayhem like me. (laughs) Um, you guys uh, you guys talked about world building a lot in the last podcast where there was Chronicles of Riddick or it was uh, Harry Potter and uh, God bless America John Wick did an amazing job with world building Phenomenal. and it's not even set in like a distant you know solar system or like yeah. with wizards and stuff yeah. like that all could that, could that could be a real thing I don't know there's no way uh, we know it's not yeah and my,
2: and, my favorite part about it is that they do it in a way that isn't overly explanatory They just drop little clues here and there without giving you all the answers. And that's perfect.
1: It's really hard to do that without being lame sometimes too, you know? That was like, here's a bunch of coins. I'm not telling you where they came from. (laughs) Not telling you what they do. They're currency for bad people to do bad things. And like, I want to know. I want to know where they came from.
2: And that only gets better each movie. Oh, I'm excited. They add an extra layer and you get a little bit more detail and a little bit farther into that criminal underworld. It's super fun.
1: That's a really good movie, y'all were right. I cannot wait to see the second and third one. Um, Two is even better. Really? Okay, I'm fired up. Um, and then the, I, the the only thing I knew about this movie, besides Keanu Reeves kills a bunch of people, um, was that he, he does all, he kills a bunch of people because his dog died. Um, mm-hmm. That's how it was described to me. And that is super not it, you know? Like, that is, like, one way of explaining it. But, like, yeah. they somebody took away his form of, grieving he says you took away my chance to grieve yeah. unalone it's just the first time i think i've ever heard unalone used before <laughs> uh which was interesting but like that's really powerful yeah. and like i was expecting it to be just like his dog like got run over or something and he just went on a spree that's yeah. really touching actually that like his he went through a traumatic experience and you know he had something to help him get through that and then it was taken away from him also like that would probably drive any man to go you know
0: it's very it's very easy to boil that story down to just his dog died. And so he kills everyone because that's kind of the joking that everybody cares more about dogs and movies than people. And so it's the easiest way to get somebody to understand, but you're right. it does. So oversimplify yeah. what that dog means to him.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's... Is John Wick a better dog movie than old yeller, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Marley He's and great. me cry every time in Marley and me um also i was uh i got a chance to listen to uh our our last week's podcast and i noticed something um and then i was like i probably just misheard it because you know i listen to these things two times while i'm editing them and then i'll usually give one a run through like when they post and stuff to see how it sounded you know on spotify or whatever and uh and then i noticed something i I, then i went back to a couple other ones just to make sure to check myself uh drew allen i would like for you Uh to say something into your
2: mic uh
1: Mm. I'm not I'm okay do you, so do you
2: need to type the word out to him
1: no I'm so uh, the word I want you to say is a name of the movie blank Inc. or blank university if you're picking up what I'm trying to say here
0: <laughs> yeah I know exactly it's Munster
1: and it's super not Munster, but there's th- so three times now in our podcast, I've heard you say Munster. And like the first two times, I was like, ah, oh, probably just yeah. like, whatever. Then you did it again last week when you were talking about aliens. You're like, it's, it's, there's they go from the like movie. a, a Munster movie to an ad- and I was like, he said it again. He did it again. Yeah, like, do monsters. you not, no, it's, <laughs>
0: it's you- not a cheese. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I get that I say it wrong. You had i didn't to understand. know if you
1: knew you know i was like maybe this is one of those things like i didn't know reindeer were real for a long time I thought those were fake you know maybe you didn't know that monster is not a
2: word maybe like, it's one monster of those, like, producer things like you don't know <laughs> you don't, know, you what you what don't know. know i would I'm just crying. have to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know i say it wrong but you are gonna have to believe me when i say that it sounds the same to me out of my mouth it sure does <laughs> doesn't sound the same use you in your ears i get it i get it. monster monster right monster
2: so who, who are the bad guys sure. in space jam what's the bad guy team name the monsters no they're the mon stars it's like oh, clearly divided like that the mon stars okay yeah I get that. so you can say that word but you can't if say i'm
0: talking it. about space jam which i do all the time <laughs>
2: Oh man.
1: Okay, so Which I just, is why we're
0: doing our podcast on Space Jam today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to so I called Tiff because I was like, hey, this is like does Drew say this word? She's like, oh yeah, he's forever. As long as I've known him. And I was like, okay, I just want to make sure like I'm not messed up. Like he does understand that monster is the word, but he chooses Listen, to say monster instead.
0: If that's the only knock on me, you know,
1: yeah,
2: you're you're living a good me, life. Yeah, right. I don't think it's the only knock on me.
0: Crawford, you got anything going on in your Cinematic universe you want to
2: talk about? Uh, I sure don't. I, I rewatched John Wick one and two this week because I get excited about it every time that we talk. It's about never, it's never wrong to watch John Wick. It's I, I realized too choice.
1: when I was listening to our podcast last week. I said that Spider Man, Sam Raimi's Spider Man, was like the best. Was the best origin story for a superhero that's been put on film. And I watched Batman Begins in order to prepare Ooh. for this week's show on Christopher Nolan, and wow, I was so wrong. Uh, Batman Begins is way better than Sam Raimi's Spider Man. That is such a good freaking movie, and it was oh, not whoa. the. F-
0: what? Do we want to? Do we want to? jump it in at Batman?
1: No, I was just gonna say, and you know, and that that was like the first time I realized I think who Christopher Nolan was. I don't think I'd ever heard of it oh, at that yeah, point in time. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, and then after I saw that movie, I went and watched Memento, um, yeah. which has now been my, has been my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. Um, Ooh, so yeah, I guess that's, nice. that's, uh, what we're talking about today. We're talking about, uh, Christopher Nolan movies. We each watched, um, a Christopher Nolan movie, uh, with the idea that we would do a deep dive on them and, uh, kind of get a chance to, to talk about how he makes movies and what he does in those. Um and I think I'm first, right?
2: <laughs> are for we for those are of we... you at home, that sound means that it's time for a random Christopher Nolan fact from Kyle. So Kyle actually is our resident Christopher Nolan expert. And Drew and I have decided that anytime in the podcast we make the sound from inception Wah. where you go, Wah. Kyle then has to immediately come out with some kind of random Christopher Nolan fact. So you're gonna hear that throughout the podcast.
1: Uh, Christopher Nolan has citizenship in both the UK and the United States there you go that's the first one and it was totally for free
0: Wow!
1: Uh, just just for you both um, okay and then and uh, well I guess we'll get started with memento um,
0: well, can, can we talk a little bit about Christopher Nolan as a director kind of yeah what, I think it'd be great kind of what he's uh, I don't know what you'd call them if they're themes or just common throughout his movies right What, what he's kind of known for
1: yeah yeah I so about the I guess the main one the easiest one to point out is nonlinear storytelling um, I didn't yeah. realize this until I was watching Batman begins, but even Batman begins is nonlinear like the flashbacks really? are not in chronological order and they come at random times um, and you see stuff out mm. of order um, in those uh, do you all I have think, one that comes to mind
0: no but I, I do want to build on that and that he had talked in an interview about how his kind of era of directors were the first ones that kind of realized people are going to see movies a lot like re-watch yeah. movies and so he makes his movies specifically so that you can go and re-watch them and get something new but he doesn't make it so that you it's so difficult to understand that you can't enjoy it the first time right like you love every movie and understand what's going on maybe not every little detail but you get the storyline the first time through and then each time you pick up something new you can be like, ah, I know what's happening in that scene now. I know where that goes. And that's really hard to do. But that's why he does it.
2: One of the things I love most about Christopher Nolan movies is that as a fan, it feels like he rewards you for loving his movie. Right? The more you watch it, the more you dive into it, the more you study it, the, the richer the experience is. And that's not always the case with movies. A lot of times you just, what you see is what you get. And that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but Christopher Nolan just rewards the people who dive deeper into his movies it's so fun
1: yeah and uh, another big one that I think it's uh, one that's easier to probably miss the first time around is I think all of his movies I'm pretty sure um, he likes to use the point of view of the main character um, to tell a story like you very very rarely see something happen like that's away from the protagonist that's like setting up stuff you normally are like piecing together what's going on as the protagonist is doing it in the film, which is really really cool and really really hard to do, especially because his stuff is always wild to to keep up with. Um, and most of the time, the the protagonist is an untrustworthy narrator, an unreliable yeah, narrator. I was say that too. Um, yeah, and that's a big uh, literary um, tool that's used. Um, you know, in Fight Club, it's used in Crime and Punishment, the Dostoevsky novel. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's, it's yeah, a, it's a lot of different places and a lot of different mediums can use the unreliable narrator, and he does it so so well um and yeah. usually the endings of the movies are kind of up for interpretation um mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. most part in, in a lot of his movies uh do you have you all have any other ones i've got a whole list so i can keep going but if y'all get something yeah, chime
0: uh, in on. i think a lot of his themes deal with like mental whether it's disorders or like dreams and inception yeah. a lot of things that happen in the mind which is great for that um what what did you, did you say first person narrative what what was the yeah
1: first person pov yeah
0: yeah so it's like you are experiencing as the character and i think movies like is an incredible way of dealing with what you're going on in your mind because a lot of times it's not what's going on in reality like mo- these movies aren't non fiction like um Oh my gosh, what's the word for documentary? They're not yeah. <laughs> documentaries. This is like a story and it's, you can experience it not linearly because it's going on in somebody's mind. Right. And there are so many things like, like it, I think Inception, I don't want to get into too early on because we're going to get in, deep dive into that later on. But it's like it's dreams that like you start in the middle of a dream and then they like point it out and it's so cool. Yeah. And it's like unique to movies and he brings that aspect of just what like, the uniqueness of telling a story in a brain like what
2: yeah. you can experience and he does it so well
1: uh, you're you're dead on that
2: so one of my favorite things and it's totally superficial is i just love that he reuses a lot of the same actors yeah uh, michael Caine and like hardy. almost all of his movies tom hardy Marion mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. marion uh, yeah i don't know how to say her last name but you know dark knight rises and all that like it, yeah. i love that she's or like that these actors show up in multiple movies and you get to experience them in different ways and it's just kind of fun and that's a good
1: he of, of, good
0: He's just a lot of oscar award-winning mm-hmm, like yeah. great actors mm-hmm. like not only is he reusing some of the actors but they're all he's directing phenomenal actors across the board and that's also tough to do to to like i mean his second movie was memento is that mm-hmm, correct yeah where he's filming guy pierce um, Carrie Ann Moss, yeah, from yeah. the Matrix. She had just mm-hmm. gotten big, and uh, she brings on Pen. Yeah, on, Joe
1: Pantoliano or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Cipher, from, and then he does
0: Al Pacino and Robin Williams in Insomnia. Like, right. like a young director filming these A star
1: and at the time Actors. when Batman Begins came out superhero flicks were not what A-list movie stars wanted to be doing mm. you know and it was mm. that was something that for the B-list people in fact you got Christian Bale to be Batman that I don't think anybody saw that coming uh, yeah. you know ever since I want to say probably ever since the George Clooney Batman was that kind of like the last time that like an A-lister was like I want to be a superhero you know I think <laughs> that might have been a pretty big gap Foot later. on that one yeah yeah, after that, you know, you're getting Chris Evans as, you know, the human torch. And we didn't know Chris Evans was at that point in time. <laughs> Eric yeah.
2: Bana playing the Hulk.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, another thing that you see often in Nolan movies, uh, the circle shot. And I love those. In every movie he's done, he's got a circle shot where, you know, the, there's usually two characters that are talking at something and the camera just ro- rotates around in 360 degrees a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, he, he does a really good job of uh, using both deafening noise at time and deafening silences um, and I, it's a lot of people didn't like Dunkirk because like you couldn't hear some of what the actors were saying um, throughout Dunkirk and he was like they're in war like that's what like in the <laughs> middle of a war like a jet is gonna fly over your head at some point in time and you're not gonna be able to hear so he's yeah, like you know uh-huh. I, he, he's he's and he said that to like put his point through that hearing dialogue is not the only way to get across somebody's point. It's their facial expressions. It's their emotions. It's, you know, Mm. their, their, their body language. Um, And I guess what I meant to talk about earlier was that I think the fact that A-listers do want to work for them and want to continue to work for them shows you something that you can't pick up, about Christopher Nolan from watching his movies, um, you can tell that he's organized because his movies are very hard to follow. But he must be a really, really good director in terms of like being able to schedule things for people. He must be easy to work with, or he's either or either that, or he's so good that people are like, you know, I'm going to put up with working with this guy because uh, repeatedly because he's so good.
2: Yeah. On the topic of deafening noise and deafening silences, like I love his relationship with Hans Zimmer and yeah. the music in his movies. And it's hard to even say yeah. music because a lot of times it's just like the boah sound. He like, he I rarely rarely say that's music, but the the feelings that come through the sounds in his movies um, are fantastic. It's it's a another... you know the
1: story behind the boah the boah sound.
2: Uh, I, I've Nolan heard something fact. about it before, but I can't. Really
1: <laughs> Nolan fact number two. So that that sound is actually it's actually a piece of the actual music that they use to like wake themselves up or whatever the kick cue um it's that slowed down and amplified um which i think is really cool because you're like it's not music it like literally actually is He, the con zimmer or nolan whoever to, one of them wanted to stick with the time frame with the idea of when you're in a dream things slow down you know so they just slowed down the actual theme to the movie to the point where it became that you know deafening wah sound which is really cool
0: yeah Yeah. that's awesome and I I think we can kind of start segueing into memento now that we've kind of got an idea of like when you get a Christopher Nolan movie you're gonna get uh, an out-of-sequence movie that's Mm -hmm. smart with great actors kind of dealing with mind and trickery you can't don't know what you can trust what you can't and but you need to focus because it's smart it's great it's gonna pay and it pays off
1: and uh, I think And I guess to lead straight into Memento, two of the things too that I also like he does, um, all of his movies are conflicted men in suits. Uh, Usually they have some sort of mental trauma uh, which makes them unreliable uh, which is how Memento begins and also he does something that I don't know if many other directors do. He will go out of his way to give you a close-up shot of his character's hands Um, and like he does it often and I don't think I've ever noticed that with anybody else, but in the prestige, you get to see Michael Caine, I believe opens up with, I'm sorry, y'all
2: get to that, but I'm pretty sure. Like my movie is about magic, right? Yeah. So and close it's, up magic. It's a, lot yeah. of. a lot of hands. <laughs> uh, but hands. But like, uh,
1: and that's how Memento begins as well. Uh, Batman begins similarly. Uh, Memento actually uh, begins Uh, i actually wrote this down so when i was when i was trying to come up with how to talk about memento and you know like a in a brief setting where we don't have four hours to talk about it and explain everything i rewrote this thing four times just trying to get like a a way of uh, accurately and eloquently stating what happens in this movie and it's impossible so i'm not even going to really try i'm just going to talk about (laughs) stuff i liked (laughs) about the movie and i'm going to lay enough (laughs) (laughs) foundational groundwork both of you have seen memento right
0: yes yes okay
1: all right so Memento opens with a close-up shot of Leonard's hand holding a Polaroid. The Polaroid is nearly fully developed. The hand begins to shake the Polaroid, and the image becomes less and less developed until it is completely blank. The camera zooms out to see the protagonist put the Polaroid back into the camera and take a picture. The camera then pans to the dead body on the ground, surrounded by a pool of blood and an empty bullet casing. The bullet casing returns to the gun held in the protagonist's hand as a bang and final scream can be heard from the man on the ground this is the opening 60 seconds of Memento and it lets you know right from the jump that this is not going to be an easy movie to follow. Time is not your friend (laughs) for the next hour and a half. Um, I I think it's a really cool idea that most movies, you know, it's, it's kind of like a big Hill. You start off with, you know, rising action and then by the end of the movie, you're getting to the climax of the movie. And then the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever is showing you the result of that. That's Mm -hmm. how normal movie arcs work christopher nolan begins his first feature-length film by showing you the climax of the movie yeah or what would yeah. normally be the climax in a in a whodunit killer kind of uh film or yeah a, and he, he starts off with that so you already know that leonard kills teddy um or leonard played by guy pierce um who is phenomenal in the in the in the movie yeah uh, it's
2: it's really fun that he does kind of turn the traditional detective thing on its head of like you know exactly what happened but right. you have no idea
1: who you have no idea why happened, yeah
2: where mm. when you never know when
1: um and I, yeah that's the thing too mm-hmm. that time is well I'll, I'll get to that um like in order to explain this movie you have to understand uh that leonard who's our main character uh suffers from anterograde amnesia uh, which is a condition that does not let him form new memories um, he has all of his long-term memories still. I said that weird. He, he has all of his long-term memories still intact, monsters. Uh, but he can't create new memories, yeah. monsters. <laughs> he can't create new memories until uh, at all. Uh, the last thing he remembers is seeing his wife dying. Um, and that's a pretty tough deal to so that be the last thing you remember until your brain restarts, you know. Um, and in order to piece together what he's doing at any given time uh, during any day, Lenny has to take pictures of places, people, and things he thinks are important and write on the Polaroid, you know, why that's important he's got to take a picture of his car he's got to take a picture of you know people to remind him who they are um so memento is the story of a man with no short-term memory trying to avenge the death of his wife um the genius of christopher nolan and i don't really want to talk too much about specifics because it's too hard to follow anyways if you're watching it's hard to follow so (laughs) talking about it and not being able to see it that'll be even worse um i think the coolest part about this movie is obviously the two timelines uh That Christopher Nolan uses to tell this story. Um, But along with the two timelines that I realized while watching it for my what 15th time now probably I don't know is that each timeline has a different point of view which I'd like to discuss here. Um, So the first timeline is in color and it essentially moves backwards. So the beginning of each scene that you see is going to end up being the ending of a scene that it precedes which is super hard to follow if you followed me on that
0: but but um, each scene is so interesting like yeah yeah it and, gives it, you a question and then the next one will kind of answer it but give you a new twist it definitely
1: builds yeah it all builds so eloquently to the ending yeah um this is a phenomenal phenomenal movie if you have not seen memento please go watch it because i'm about to spoil it at some point in mm-hmm. time, the ending here um spoiler alert. so the the, co- the timeline that's in color timeline one um is essentially moving backwards um, and you're, you're figuring out more about Lenny and why he ends up killing Teddy. You're figuring it out more and more as the movie goes on, but then the same point in time, you've got a second timeline and timeline two is in black and white and it's set in the past and you don't know when, how far in the past this is set. He's dressed differently. He looks a little different. Um, and he's always on the phone, um, in timeline two talking to somebody whom we don't know at the time. Um, but yeah, we aren't sure um, how much further in the past is, but I think what's really cool um, is the timeline one that's in color and moving backwards. Um, this point of view is told in a subjective point of view, a hundred percent from Leonard's point of view. And, and since Leonard can't create new memories, he doesn't remember what happens. You know, he remembers for about four to five minutes, what's going on. That's how long the scenes are in the colored timeline. And so you are literally getting to experience the movie just like Lenny would be experiencing real life. That's really cool. Um, And it's very subjective. So you don't know if what he's doing is right or wrong. You don't know why he's doing it. Even you just know this situation, my character's in, and this is the route he's taking. Um, And you're trying to piece together uh, all the time as well. Um, In timeline two, which is black and white Nolan in, in the past, Christopher Nolan uses this as a mainly objective point of view, so now you can kind of piece together why Teddy is the way he is, and now it's kind of cheating because now you get to know why Lenny is the way he is but in the other timeline in the color timeline he has no clue he has no yeah, idea why yeah. he is the way he is um, so the the objective timeline it's more objective because it's not just Lenny talking to himself it's Lenny explaining to somebody on the phone uh, you know what happened to him and remember Sammy Jankis and he's telling the story about Sammy Jenkins, and sort of stuff. That's where you really get the, the under the underlyings of um, the story in his story. Um, so I think it's really really cool. It's really hard to do two point of views in a movie um, yeah, and Christopher yeah. Nolan does that. It's really hard to use multiple timelines in a movie. Christopher Nolan does that very well and in the flashback timeline in the black and white timeline which is set in the past, he has flashbacks to even further in the past before his wife died. <laughs> and maybe this is where he got that different inception. He's having flashbacks inside of flashbacks. Uh, Maybe that's where dreams inside of dreams came from. I don't know. Um, But uh, it's, it's really cool. And it's a really interesting tool to let you, the viewer understand why Lenny is the way he is and why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I want to talk about my three favorite scenes with you guys, because I don't want to give away the ending to anybody who hasn't seen it. It's, it's a, it's a movie that everybody should see. Um, And I'm doing okay on time. Perfect. Um, So, uh the first one I'll talk about is the scene um this the scene about halfway through the movie where lenny is it's it just it just cut back to the color timeline right so he doesn't know what he's doing or why he's doing it, but hes in a dead sprint down uh <laughs> down a like a parking lot and uh-huh. he goes okay what am I doing and so he kind of stops running and he looks over and he sees another guy sprinting in the parking lot and he's like oh I'm chasing that guy and he runs at that guy and then the bad guy turns around with a gun and like points at him and he goes nope he's chasing me and he sprints the <laughs> other way like that is such like in a movie that has like so much tension and is about it's like a thriller it's a revenge uh-huh. flick you know there's a lot of really funny parts. Um, one where he's like got a note that says the hotel room of the guy he's trying to go find and he's got it written on a post-it note and so he goes up to to room six and he like knocks on the door when he sees somebody comes up to like see who it is he kicks the door down and knocks the guy out and he realizes it's the wrong guy and he like looks back at his post-it note and flips it upside down he's like oh nine so he <laughs> closed the door and goes back to room nine to do it like there's lots of really funny moments like that where you know stuff that would probably happen to you if you were if you had interrogated media. yeah um, like
0: he so christopher nolan has these great ideas and themes and like storylines of interconnected timelines and different things but he also peppers in moments like that of yeah. that he has fun within like him kicking down the guy in room six is not like it doesn't have anything to do with the story it's just right. an awesome fun moment that he adds in as well as the chase scene that's one of the greatest scenes of the whole movie I that stuck out to me and i to this day will remember that in my timeline of all of movies yeah. it's like that scene is in there of him like oh i'm chasing this guy i'm like oh okay yeah that makes sense oh no he's chasing me I'm like oh shoot yeah <laughs> i thought it was the other way
1: and that's kind of something that you get to see in batman begins Ooh, i don't want to go too far off man yeah. uh in batman begins you know like he, he has a lot of really good funny moments with morgan freeman while they're like making the bat suit and stuff that like you don't need like it's not necessary yeah. to get like move the story forward and it's like a really another high tension and he does a really good job of you know making it uh interesting and fun yeah um, and then also with alfred too with uh with alfred uh, what's his name michael kane okay
2: oh, yeah. so with, with alfred and
1: michael kane sorry my bad Show him uh, respect he's got a lot of really like alfred is like the comic relief and batman begins actually so he does a really good job i guess that's a long-winded way my a really good job of, favorite
0: yeah. alfred
1: yeah my favorite alfred it has to be there's not even close um the second scene we'll talk about which is for a totally different reason is the scene also in the color timeline when uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character, Natalie comes, the scene opens with her coming back into the house and she's pissed off. And you don't know why at this point in time, because you haven't seen what's happened so yet. Um, and she's, she's openly telling Leonard essentially that, uh, she's, saying I'm gonna, she's saying she's going to use him, saying that she's going to make, make him do terrible things. She's going to make him kill somebody and he won't even remember it. She goes so far to like call his wife uh, horrible words and saying she uh, gave him short term memory loss from venereal disease and stuff like it's horrible stuff. And all the while she's doing that, she's, she's picking up pens and pencils out of the room. Um, which is something i didn't recognize the first 10 times i saw this movie but she's doing uh-huh. that because she knows if he can't write it down he won't remember um uh-huh. and that is a such a like the scene is so tense because by the time you realize that, that like she's doing what she's doing she walks out he just goes, gotta find a pen where's a pen And he starts knocking uh-huh. stuff over trying to find a pen and you're like please somebody give him a pen like you're freaking out like <laughs> as the viewer because the way that it's shot you are lenny like you're experiencing things through his point of view, you need to get that pin just as badly as Lenny does in the movie, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's a really, really cool way of um, creating that tension without it being super high stake. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about um, is, is really the final scene of the movie, which don't want to give too much away, but like the the whole last 10 minutes of the movie are just shrouded in mystery. Um, and, and Christopher Nolan gives you two very plausible like endings like you can he lets you decide essentially um he's said in interviews that he has an idea of what what he thinks happens um what happened really um but he said that he wanted to leave it open enough for for you to decide the viewer which is really that's why you watch it again it's why i continue to watch it because the first couple times i thought option a was what it was and i was hard pressed on it and now I go back and i'm like it might be option b like i think it actually might be so yeah. um the the ending where teddy reveals um, Leonard quite possibly made up the story of Sammy Jenkins and what he said happened to Sammy Jenkins happened to him. Um, that is one of the best reveals in and it's that's up there with fight clubs reveal to me um, in terms of like, holy cow, did not see that coming. Um,
2: like Kaiser Sose,
1: Yeah. Kaiser Sose, very similar too. Um, it. It leaves, it leaves you the viewer with, uh, with an idea of, you know, is what is really truth you know is what what this movie essentially depicts is truth is relative um, and or you can allow truth to be relative if you want to um, and those are kind of like the two teddy is you know the truth is the truth and that's the way it is these are the facts that happen and lenny is well if if i lie to myself and it's not hurting it, it gives me a purpose to live then you know what's what's the big deal with that and and while i don't think that's a good point of view to have <laughs> it is definitely somebody with that condition you could absolutely do and you kind of think we all lie to ourselves about yeah. you know whatever yeah. it is i'm lying to myself that i haven't put on any weight this quarantine that's a lie i know it <laughs> you know it you can see my face it's fine you know um but we all lie to ourselves and you it's really really intriguing uh, but that's that's mainly what i to talk about the memento the masterful way that nolan uses multiple timelines flashbacks inside flashbacks um the way that he's able to tell a very complex story with two point of views, so that you, the viewer, are experiencing Lenny go through this situation in real time with Lenny. Unbelievable movie, my favorite movie of all time. Um, if you have not seen Memento, you for sure should.
2: One of my you favorite have? personal memories uh, of Memento is when you got your wisdom teeth out in high school. <laughs> That's I right. Came over and watched. I made you watch Memento while you were like doped up on painkillers
1: that's right i forgot about that
2: and you fell asleep at like the last 15 minutes of the movie or so and i took a sharpie and i started writing some of the <laughs> <That's> tattoos <laughs> <laughs> and you woke up and you freaked out
1: i had to remember sammy jake is tattooed on my hand i remember that i, woke up, I was like what
0: <laughs> um
2: that's and incredible. And, which is funny because i mentioned that the other day and tiff friend of the podcast um yep. actually said that you did the same thing with her when she yeah. got her wisdom teeth out, like for, like years later.
1: I put a post-it note on her leg that said, like, shave here or something like that, I think.
0: <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal
2: mm. prank. So, also, just fun fact correct me if I'm wrong but I had heard that they had shot that movie in like 45 days or something and
1: that's like. I didn't want to go too long on time because if you let me I will talk for five hours about this movie I do have some tidbits of information I would like to talk about with memento though. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so uh so memento let me see I front of my notes the total filming was shot in 25 days with a 4.5 million dollar budget the fact that that movie only had four and a half million dollars we made like the going right now is Oh, I think the Avengers Endgame cost like two billion dollars or something like that to make or one billion or something like that. I don't know. Um, that's crazy. Uh Carrie Ann Moss filmed all of her scenes in eight days. She was doing a bunch cool. of different projects at the time, so she only had eight days. So the fact that he was not only that's able crazy. to get it all shot in twenty-five, the sec the character with the second most screen time was only there for, you know, a a, a quarter of the time, a third of the time that she was when,
2: when's the last time you think Carrie on Carrie Ann Moss got to say I have too many projects going on right
1: now yeah i don 't know she was really she was really on fire for those like four years. Uh, Brad Pitt was originally going to star, but he had conflict uh, he had a scheduling conflict issues and had to drop out. Um, memento literally translates to remember from Latin to English, um, and the story was originally it comes from a short story written by Christopher Nolan's little brother, Jonathan Nolan. Um, I've got a quick fact about him too. When later on when we get another uh, uh, inception noise, um, but he was, they were there. They uh, Jonathan Nolan was helping Christopher Nolan move from Chicago to LA. And while they were in that car trip, Jonathan Nolan said, Hey, I've got a story. What do you think about it? And he basically just verbalized the story idea to Christopher Nolan during this long car drive, uh, this, this trip. And when they got to LA, Christopher Nolan said okay you go and do your short story I'm gonna go make this movie and we'll we'll make it separately but they had the same idea um and Jonathan Nolan, Nolan's short story was published in like Vanity Fair or something I don't know um actually yeah, so, like a year after Memento came out so it took him a long time to write it
2: so fun thing I had read this at one point that whatever magazine editorial piece that short story was being published in he sent it in uh in like scenes backwards oh cool same kind of thing so it came out in like three or four different publications yeah and you got a a bit of it and you got the ending and then you got the third and then you got the second and it's like that's kind of cool i don't know that could be just rumor but yeah
1: the, the, it 's very it 's not anything like the movie at all. I read memento Mori um, yeah. It is free to find on the internet it 's like ten pages it 's not long. Um, it is nothing like the movie other than the character has got the same mental condition and his wife is dead. Um, but it is really cool to see how one singular idea sparked two very very different things yeah. um, that 's just really cool The Nolan brothers are are fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Nolan writes. Or at least helps him write most of the stuff. I love that yeah. Christopher Nolan writes and directs everything himself. Um, he's talented. Man, he's... really talented.
0: I honestly so, think that we could have done a podcast on each of these movies, right? Because they're so good. They're so deep. There's so many layers to break through. But we do. We. It's about Christopher Nolan, and he's a phenomenal director, and he's made so many good movies. And I think now would be a good time to kind of segue into the prestige
2: Ooh. perfect so um in the movies that we talked about that we picked um chronologically prestige comes next and i'm not go that time and,
1: matters time is relative yeah. Who cares? <laughs> we don't know.
2: um i'm gonna go ahead and say spoiler alerts for anybody listening at home <laughs> i mean if you haven't seen prestige yet that's your own fault it came out like 14 years ago or something so
1: that's one of those it's movies so that, like, good if you know the ending to that before you watch it like that's still okay like oh you yeah watch it memento is kind of like
2: it's arguably knowing the ending helps inform your watching experience definitely
1: christopher nolan movies for sure yeah
2: right yeah um so i'm gonna try not to give away too much of the movie like the ending but there are certain reveals that happen throughout that just i have to address so um the the premise of the movie is that there are two rival magicians uh, played by christian bale and Hugh Jackman, which the fact that they are co stars against is fantastic. Yeah. But they get trained together in the art of magic and illusion by uh, Michael Kane, who's playing Cutter, and he's like a engineer for magic tricks. He comes up with all the mechanics and how the tricks are done, kind of thing. And Christian Bale is a better magician like he has eyes he can see how everyone does their tricks like
1: you just said he's a better magician like he has eyes
2: (laughs) okay we can cut that and we'll redo it
1: Hugh Jackman was the best magician the best blind magician (laughs) that anyone's ever seen
2: Christian Bale is actually a better magician he has better eyes for tricks. He can see how all these other magicians are doing their tricks and he can figure everything out. Um, and he can do more advanced tricks. Hugh Jackman is a better showman. Uh, he knows how Mm -hmm. to present himself on stage and he actually ends up getting a bigger audience as their careers diverge because he can actually draw people to him. Even though Christian Bale can do better tricks, he just can't entertain people. Um, But their rivalry starts because while they're working together, uh, the assistant dies. And it's because Christian Bale ties the wrong knot while they're doing a drowning underwater trick. And. uh, That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And you find out that the woman, the assistant, is Hugh Jackman's wife. Um, Scarlett Johansson? No, not Scarlett
1: Johansson. No, Scarlett Johansson
2: comes in as the second assistant to replace her later. Gotcha. Um, But this causes the immediate tension Mm -hmm. Um, but a big thing about this story like all Christopher Nolan movies it's not done chronological so the the whole movie opens with well hold on I'll get to that in a second it's not done chronological so throughout the movie you're experiencing like four or five different timelines Uh, and you can tell because people's clothes are different their facial hair is different you know they look older, they look younger. Sometimes mm-hmm. they have a limp. Sometimes they're walking normally. They're married to different people. Like uh, they're clearly at different economic stages in their life. So you can kind of piece it together as you go along, but it's very disjointed the first time you're watching it. Cause it's just jumping around to all these different things. Uh, the other really cool part about it is there's like three different narrators in this movie. Uh, it, yeah. starts, it starts with Michael Caine uh, doing the cold open. And then he also mm-hmm. bookends it with the clothes and but throughout, the characters end up stealing each other's diaries mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. This That's is right yeah. England, uh, so everybody's writing diaries and stuff, and they're you know reading each other's diaries and it's flashing back to events that they're talking about. And so you hear the person who wrote the diary narrating the scenes and right. reading it to them. Um, and you want to talk about, unreliable narrators here's one of the spoiler alerts you find out that each one of the diaries they wrote or were actually plants to give to the other one like they're trying to sabotage one another and they get Mm -hmm. to the end of the thing and they're addressing that person specifically it's such a
0: great reveal you That he does twice and
2: you don't see it either time fall for it both times i'm so
1: I forgot how that movie. Oh, no. Okay. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm so right. glad that you have prestige, Drew, because I think that this is the hardest timeline to follow because he jumps back and forth between scenes and he jumps back and forth between arcs in the movie and then between scenes within arcs. Like, he is constantly hopping back and forth. Like, I don't know how to follow this, but yeah. No, about it. <laughs> it.
2: That's the thing is that he splits scenes in like weird places and then just jumps to a a whole new time. And you're like, but no, I was interested in that story. Like, keep telling me that. And it's like, nope, you'll get back to that in 45 minutes or something. (laughs) Uh, And each one's so interesting that you're like, okay, now I need to consume this one because it's so fun to watch. Yeah, so while he's doing that whole jumping around through all these different storylines, you're finding out that these two rival magicians really hate each other. They start off, you know, as coworkers and seemingly like friends, but they just really start to hate each other a lot as understandably. So one guy lost his wife and he tries to get back, you know, and it's just increasing levels of competition. At one point he shoots Christian Bale uh, in a magic trick gone wrong. He's trying to like pretend to do a bullet catch and Hugh Jackman actually shoots his fingers off. Uh, and so as a magician, you can't do magic well without your hands. Right. So they're doing these increasing levels of competition uh, to the point that they're stealing each other's magic tricks. Um, Christian Bale throughout the movie keeps talking about how he's got this one trick in his back pocket that uh, will blow everybody away. No one else can do his trick and he won't tell anybody what it is or how he does it. Not even his own wife, um, all this stuff. And then Hugh Jackman figures out a way to try to steal it. And then like they try to ruin each other's tricks going forward. Uh, So, and then at one point science gets involved um, yeah. <laughs> david we, bowie right yeah david bowie tesla? plays tesla yeah. uh, and creates yeah. an, a machine for him that can do like actual magic which is actually a fun thing in this story um both michael caine and um uh, another one of michael caine's friends who's like an agent mentioned in the movie that they have seen real magic before right. like a wizard who can do real magic whereas magicians do illusions trying to fake it which mm-hmm. is kind of a fun rabbit hole to run into Of like I want to see the Christopher Nolan real magic movie like I want to see Christopher kind Nolan pick Harry Potter please Yeah, <laughs> um, that would maybe, be so good maybe Kyle kind of would actually watch the movies then
1: the spiders <laughs> would come at you in non-linear fashion <laughs> and it would be, be, be
2: terrifying <laughs> but the the there are so many twists throughout this movie. Um, Big reveals. One of the big ones I can't get around, I'm sorry, is that Christian Bale actually has a twin brother. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. they have been living the same life together, right? They've just been trading off who gets to be the brother today and who gets to like pretend to be this other guy named Fallon, who's just kind of always around. And he wears like makeup and wigs. So he looks different and they just alternate being Alfred and being Fallon. And once you figure that out at the end of the movie, that's why you should go back and re-watch it because you have yeah. little nuances throughout the movie of which as an actor has to be terribly hard of being one person pretending to be two people who are pretending to be one person, right? And you have to <laughs> yeah. act you have to act two people who are acting to be one person, and you have to do all those little nuances and subtleties. And it's really impressive.
1: The I'm really glad you ended up doing that because I really want to talk about how like if you just said this movie is about two battling magicians who you know are trying to get stardom and fame that's not a movie i want to see when the way that he makes you like care about it though is you know you see christian bale get his, his finger shot off or whatever and then you were later revealed to keep the secret to keep the trick alive the other kid the other guy the brother has to get chop his own finger off you know mm-hmm. and like in it goes so far to tell you that um that the, his wife doesn't even know that she's technically married to two different people they even switch off you know who which which guy is gonna be husband to the wife you know each night or whatever um, and she says you know sometimes I can tell you love me today I can tell and he was like oh and like you realize because some days she's with his brother and his brother doesn't actually love her yeah, and, um, yeah. that's a really really cool and that's I think the coolest takeaway from that movie is when he, they talk about how you know when he, when he talks about what the real trick is you know, your everyday life how you live your everyday life that's the real trick getting up mm. on stage you can you can do whatever you want as long as what people see you off the stage is how you want to be perceived a really really cool thought
2: so one of the I, things springboarding off of that that i didn't realize until i re-watched it again this time which i think was like my third or fourth viewing is that hugh jackman is pretending to be someone else the entire movie as well yeah um, mm. because he's actually like a british lord lord Cudlow or something like that um, but the whole movie, he's pretending to be this American named Robert Andrew. Andrews. Yeah, and um, he mentions great early that he's like, "I would, uh, I told my family I wouldn't use my real name so that I don't embarrass them." And you think like, "Oh, okay, that's like a normal thing." Well, it turns out he's like British royalty almost. Right, and he's pretending to be somebody else the entire movie as well, which was really impressive to me when I clued that together
1: i think it's the it's the cool parallel he makes is one of these guys is putting on a show for you the minute he hits a stage so that he can be a great performer the other guy is putting on a show all the time Mm -hmm. for everybody and it's not because he wants to have fame and fortune it's because he wants to pull off a trick that's so great that you have no idea how he did it so that's really cool
2: this was a question i came up with when i was watching it at one point just theorizing here at what point did you think that the two brothers decided, mm. okay, it's time to be one person now. Like, we're going to do this magic trick. Like I think I think it's
1: when you... I think, if I remember correctly, it's been in the movie. When they go and see the guy who uh, pulls the fishbowl out or whatever from, like, underneath him and puts it on table. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they would That's, have had to
2: yes. do that before. They would have had to decide that before. Because yeah. they would have known...
0: Like, that's how he, they knew that's what he was doing because yes. they're doing the same thing
2: because they, they realized
1: that this he's like that's not the trick and they watch him getting into his carriage yeah, yeah. at the end he's like that's the trick and
2: so because it, i'm doing the same thing it would have had to have been a decision they made like as children because no, if yeah, they do right. this yeah. later on in life there would have been enough people to have been like don't you have a brother like at some point someone would have said that
0: it's 1890, so they could have just moved to a different town. Sure, but <laughs> I, I, I think, they didn't I think their it's a- Facebook
2: profile pictures <laughs> in this. Um, I
0: this is a, a cool point that I just realized when you were talking, Kyle, a little bit earlier um, about like this movie isn't interesting if you just talk about it as two dueling magicians. I think Christopher Nolan, getting back to him as a director, he is such a great director in that he makes these great movies and puts them in a universe that is also even more interesting so memento is about an untrustworthy narrator uh untrustworthy perspective and then it's put into uh murderers that you get to reveal more and more that he's not a good guy he's actually right. a horrible guy mm-hmm. in the prestige it's about obsession and how that will ruin your life yeah. put in a magic duel like a duel of magicians in a little foreshadowing inception it's a a movie how how a movie gets made within a dream heist like he has these really great stories that are layered and then he puts them in a way that's interesting to watch and experience and is also so layered that it's even more fun to watch them when you know the secrets right and you could follow it better even though it's still tough and like Crawford said like four or five times later you're still picking up new things that are eye opening yeah. and it gets better it doesn't get worse it doesn't there's not more plot holes when you know what's going on
2: on that note i want to say
0: blah
1: <laughs> uh let's go here christopher nolan speaks in a british accent his brother jonathan nolan does not he's an american accent
0: pretty he, weird his brother went to went to college over in here, chicago mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's a, that's really interesting
1: mm-hmm oh. All right jonathan so- nolan also did westworld uh, he's the co-creator oh, cool. of westworld and writes those yeah Cool. Yeah. Or non-linear storytelling, yeah. Good luck Stuff figuring that out that timeline. They must have been like somebody, somebody early on in their childhood must have like made them read a book backwards or something like that, just to like <laughs> mess with them. Little did they know, they created two of the greatest storytellers of generation because of non-linear storytelling.
2: Uh, so, Drew, what movie uh, were you going to talk about?
0: Yeah, we could segue into the next movie, which I would say is not chronologically what Christopher Nolan came out with, but we kind of chose three movies that we thought would best encapsulate what makes Christopher Nolan unique uh, and my movie I got was Inception. Um, so easy to talk about one of the most straightforward movies right? No it's <laughs> awful. It's <so> <laughs> I, I really couldn't
1: tell your, if you're joking or not. I was like, oh no.
0: <laughs> no, like, yeah, did you takes, watch the movie? I think everyone spent that whole year just talking about Inception. I think every single conversation that I had with my friends was, do you think the top wobbled?
1: Yeah.
0: Which spoiler alert ahead. Um, well, I'll get to it later. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll kind of break, uh, go through the movie. I'm not, I'm not too worried about spoiling it. Spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it, but I think I just kind of want to talk about how great it is because Christopher Nolan is a phenomenal director. Uh, it takes place uh, within dreams. It's all about, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Dom Cobb, and he is in charge of a team that has hired to go plant an idea in this heir to a technology mogul's son to split up this monopoly that they have. So one bad guy has a monopoly over this um, business, and a rival businessman wants to, wants to make his son split it up when he dies. And the way they do that is through dreams. So they, if you're following so far, congrats to you. But
1: because <laughs> the idea that, is that in you're like a dream is like an entrance into your mind, and in your mind okay. you keep away things like passwords, like like yeah. memories and stuff. And so you could technically get into someone's brain and their memory through a dream. And so, they're trying to do they're trying to plant an idea.
0: Yeah. So harder. Leonardo DiCaprio's the best, most Professional dream thief. So he goes into other people's dreams,
1: but like, is he? Like, you never see him pulling off. You (laughs) see him fail at the beginning of the movie. You see him
2: not do it well, and then they're like, "You're the best." Like, is he? He just yeah. He might be be the best because he's like the only. I was just say yeah.
1: I wonder what the market's like for dream thieves.
2: A a great tension build that
0: Christopher Nolan puts in the movie because you don't trust the protagonist, which we've talked about as a common theme in his movies, which adds a layer. The Um, fact that they didn't
2: call this movie Dream Thieves really (laughs) bothers me. That's what it should have been called. Um, You're so right. Um, So,
0: But it it doesn't just follow Leonardo DiCaprio because it follows the whole team. Uh, We have Leonardo DiCaprio as Cobb. Um, We have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We have Ellen Page on the team. uh, Ken Watanabe. Tom uh, Hardy. Tom Hardy. And then Dilip Rao who plays Yusuf. Which a lot of people forget about because he's kind of the first he's the chemist yeah but he's really cool and then they all are trying to get into cillian murphy's mind so you all got your pens at home you're writing this down <laughs> awesome uh, what i think it's really cool and eye-opening to me as i was going through the trivia page on imdb and christopher nolan has said that he wanted to make a, a movie about a team of people who are trying to create this creative endeavor of creating this dream and planning this idea. And so he wrote about the only one he knows about, which is a movie making team. So each character is related to an aspect of filmmaking. So Leonardo DiCaprio as Cobb, he's the director of the movie or the dream heist. George Gordon-Levitt is the producer, so I don't understand that. Ellen Page (laughs) is the architect, which (laughs) represents the set designer set creator which is really cool that they give her such a big role because that's one that i don't think i give enough credit to as far as the feel and look of a movie is not just the director a lot of it's the cinematographer also which i'm going to put under ellen page as well but just the look and feel of the the movie Uh, ken watanabe is the the studio tom hardy is the actor and then uh i can't remember what yusuf is but silly murphy is the audience member so Right. So essentially all y'all need to know is that the the purpose of this movie of inception is to relate what goes on when a conglomeration of people decide to make a movie. They are visually representing what happens when you make a movie via a dream heist, which is why Christopher Nolan is such a great director because he takes what seems like a relatively uninteresting idea, I want to make a movie about making a movie, and then right. he instead of just putting you in a room of people at a table being like doing storyboarding he puts you in a dream heist where people are shooting guns at you and a train comes steaming head on through a rainy just street Street and the taxi gets hit yeah and then they go step further and they're kidnapping and they're in a hotel and then they're letting the bad guy know that they're in a dream and it's risky and then they go a level further and they're in a snow castle trying to siege and break in and then they go in a step further and it's it's just so incredible like when do, can y'all even remember the first time y'all went and watched inception yes like what y'all were feeling yeah because i like Inclusion. i remember the yeah exactly the first time i walked in i was like as i was walking out i was like i don't know what i just saw but i know it was great
1: mm-hmm. oh i i remember being in the movie theater because i i kind of i'm a big christopher nolan fan at this point in time and i know something big is coming at the end you know he's like walking he's mm-hmm. to step, and i was mm-hmm. like this isn't it this is to in this way nope nope something bad's <laughs> about to happen and like i didn't know what it was i was like I, I didn't know and then when you see him put the top down i was like oh shoot <laughs> I, was, I was like yeah yeah which, which i think so, is oh go ahead
0: yeah, well, I want to say at that point, and once again, this is a big spoiler alert, but I think one of the things like, that proves Christopher Nolan is not only a great director, but he makes these movies about concepts that get you thinking. And that whole top spinning at the end, the fact that he does, doesn't show you whether it wobbles or just stays steady the whole time, like it wobbles a little bit, but it's still going. It like, picks up again, and then he cuts. That's a great director move because it allows you as a viewer to make up your own mind. Yeah. but not only that it also shows that like leonardo DiCaprio spins it and then walks away so like he, he no lo- longer cares whether it's a dream exactly, or not exactly
2: which is exactly. the same
1: exact kind of payoff you get in memento where he's like is it is it was what I, was what i'm doing right i don't know and but exactly. I'm, I'm gonna choose to believe it
0: exactly so in the world of the movie you get a catharsis for the character the mm-hmm. character doesn't matter but as a viewer it matters so much. <laughs> yeah. You care so much about it, but it doesn't even matter in the end because the top isn't his memento, isn't his, um, I can't remember what the word they use in the movie is. but
2: uh, Totem, right? Totem, totem.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and so, spoiler alert ahead, if you don't want to know like the true ending, which I don't think you should, I think as a director, it was nice of Christopher Nolan to pl- let you have a for sure answer but i'm pretty sure he wanted just to end with a top and you'd it'd be like you decide. what was the
1: for? wait there's a for sure answer
0: so i'm gonna it's widely my hypothesis Wiley yeah. yeah that his totem is
1: so nobody can see this other than me and drew Allen, but cropper's like yeah he's freaking got a theory <laughs> like you like put your head <laughs> in
0: your hands you're like here
1: it goes again i'm sorry continue Drew. <laughs>
0: So I think that Christopher Nolan is a great director, but he's also a nice guy because throughout the movie, the, the theory is that his totem is his wedding ring. It only shows up when he's in a dream. You following? So his wife's totem was the top. Yeah. So whenever the top is, if she's in a dream. she spins the top. If it doesn't wobble, she knows she's in a dream. That's a very key plot point for the fact that he inceptions that top into her limbo brain and i know this is some go watch the movie and then you'll understand what i'm saying that is go ahead so i i can't remember why i was talking about that you're telling me there's a uh
1: let's see in 2012 Christopher Nolan became the only director to release two movies that made over one billion dollars at the box office uh with 2d release only avatar cheated they got to a billion uh, by releasing 3d is awful Was that enough time or do you want another one?
0: Throughout the whole movie, Christopher Nolan's thing is hands, right? He always shows yeah. hands, but he never shows Leonardo DiCaprio's left hand. He cuts away a lot of times right before you get to the left hand so that you don't In know. the dream
1: world or in reality?
0: Both. Throughout the movie, it, it, you'll rarely see Leonardo DiCaprio's left hand, except when he's trying to cue you in, is this a dream or is this not? And so the wedding ring means it's a dream. And there's only one scene at the end of the movie where you get to see Leonardo DiCaprio's left hand. When he's handing the passport to the customs officer, when they get him off the plane, you see that he doesn't have his wedding ring on, which means that he's in reality.
1: Uh, okay. So I've heard that theory and I, but I thought it was his wedding ring wasn't in the dreams. And so I watched it like looking for that. And I was like, that thing's wrong. So I just threw it out. Um, I think that the most interesting part about inception is that the, the idea that a, the totem is not his, he straight up tells you, yeah, that was, this is yeah. not my totem and the whole point was you never let anybody else touch your totem so they can't create it um and then but there's that one scene that maul says you know why can't this be reality what you know you really think that up there is reality where you've got an a faceless organization is chasing you because you still like yeah. she's pointing out how ridiculous that is and I like when I she first said it, I was like, oh no, like she might be right. But the yeah. cool part is that they are both unreliable narrators. There's not a yeah. single person that you can trust. And so it comes down to point of preference again. What what do you want to have happen? Because I'd like to know with you guys what you think, you know, happened in Memento and Inception, I guess, at the end.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And that's why an unrelated un um trustworthy narrator is such a good plot device, specifically for these movies where it's kind of up to you, which I think is good directing. I think a lot of people don't like that ambiguousness. They like, I watch a movie. I want there to be a good guy. I want him to be good mm-hmm. and so that I'm on his side. And you don't get that in Memento. At the end of the movie, I think a lot of people don't like it because they're like, I love Guy Pierce, his character. And at the end, it seems like he's
2: just murdering people.
1: You, you go. They, he cuts back to previous flashbacks you've already seen but they're changed just a little bit
2: I was and, gonna say, yeah i i think that he actually is sammy jenkins I,
1: yeah okay see and that's that's i think the most fun one yeah. that's really cool you know uh yeah, yeah and then like what that entails like what he he had to go get a he killed somebody and b he got a tattoo saying i did it and then c he had to get it covered up like you know he's a really bad if that's the truth if he is sammy jenkins he's a really bad guy because he not only killed a bunch of people he purposefully made it to where he would never remember it um and he Mm -hmm. does it multiple times so yeah i think i think that's probably what i lean toward too as well but then but see you get that idea it's same thing with inception you get that idea that he might be sammy jenkins from teddy and teddy openly lies you catch him in at least three lies in the movie he's not reliable either nobody's Mm -hmm. reliable and that's where it becomes you got to just decide what do you think and what do you what drew well and what do do you think how do you think Memento? You said Inception. You think he really was out of the dream at the end of Inception, right? Yeah,
0: I, I, I think that's like the... Christopher Nolan didn't need to do that. I think he did so that he's nice to people and been like, don't, don't fight over, it. don't think too hard. But I think the point is at the end of the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio leaves the top. He doesn't care Right. He is in a That his is reality. that's the point.
1: Yeah. He said that. He said the point isn't am I in a dream right anymore? It's I've accepted my reality. But what yeah. about Inception? Or I'm not saying Inception and in Memento. Which which do you think is the right
0: answer? As far as is he Sammy Jenkins or is he not?
1: Yeah, is Teddy lying to him or is he lying to himself?
0: Yeah. So I, I like to believe that they're both. I, I, I think Sammy Jenkins is a separate character. Um but Guy Pierce is an awful lot. <laughs> who chooses yeah. to kill teddies across the nation so that because
1: you see him make the choice one time to forget that he's killed somebody you've got to yeah. assume he at least he now has the capacity to have done it exactly many times beforehand um, exactly um and then inception i don't know i have no idea i couldn't tell you i want it to be reality but the kids are the same age like how long was he on the run the kids look the exact same you know that's a
0: good point too. And, and and I think that's like the part of, of what Christopher Nolan makes is so good about him is that he makes these stories and then he allows you to take it how you want to. I think it's it, it's a lot of people want an answer at the end of a movie to be like, I watched this movie and the director made this point and I either agree with it or I don't. Yeah. But I think as a director, it's a better, personally, I think it's a better decision not to give a finite answer and let the person, whoever's watching, experience it, how they will and have them make their own conclusions and have it shape their life, how they interact with it. At that point, it's up to the viewer to experience the movie, how they have it assimilate into their life instead of you influencing them.
1: Absolutely. Man. I I think it's
0: interesting. We we didn't talk about, um, if I can do my own blah, uh, Christopher in fact, he, a lot, (laughs) he doesn't, use second units like that's a, that was my next everything. fact i was gonna use for the yeah next yeah while. oh well then talk
1: about it well that's it's really really cool so usually in movies there's a first unit a second unit and the director is usually doing the first unit with like the stars the main cast or whatever and the second unit is usually more of like the stand-in stuff the the bigger shot scene stuff that you don't have to have quite the same attention detail and it's so you can make a movie quickly you know um but mm-hmm. that being said like when you watch avengers endgame Anthony and Joe Russo didn't direct every scene out of Avengers Endgame you know they did a lot of them I'm probably sure most of them but there are scenes that they did not look over the cool part Christopher Nolan he is looking through the camera lens and adjusting things and directing essentially on every single second of his movies which is really cool also Mm -hmm. too he shoots uh, totally in film the world is trying to go to digital and he he refuses to do digital which I think is cool
0: and he does his own practice. Doesn't do CGI. He does a lot of practical effects. Yeah, all, in Inception, the hallway scene—that's a. They built a real hallway and right. a contraption to spin it. Right. Like that's all practical effects. And he's big on awesome. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the the practical effects thing is is huge, and it's that's tough to do. That's <laughs> so tough, it's so hard to do.
0: It, it's a lot of effort going into a movie where a lot of directors will just put that at the end. Like I'm going to film this and then send it off to CGI people, and they'll make it look right. good and it takes a lot more planning and effort. If you see any of Christopher Nolan's like he makes these incredible graphics to explain like Inception and yeah. Memento of like going deeper into dreams or going yeah. back and forth between timelines. It's beautiful the graphics that are to help you explain right. the storyline which we can't show in a podcast obviously, but like look into those and you will be amazed at what goes into these stories
1: i was watching one to try to like see you know what he thought about how he made memento i guess and the the person was like could you like draw like you know what the timeline to look like he's like i'm not very visual and i've never done it before but yeah here you go and he <laughs> like perfectly describes the hardest movie in the world to describe and i was like you did that off the top of your head like what the heck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah he must just be a genius i don't know to keep all that straight um he can, is can uh somebody somebody give me the bois sound real quick uh, My favorite one. Uh, In 2019, he was awarded Commander of the Order of the British Empire. His official title is Director and Filmmaker of the British Empire. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, How do I get that? Yeah, I'd probably be good at movies, I guess. Um. (laughs) And I think you have to be British. (laughs) Yeah, that probably helps. Uh, A couple of things that we didn't talk about that I think we should – I said, you know, protagonist is always a guy in a suit, really, with some trauma. Uh, Memento, guy in a suit, short-term memory loss, dead wife. Uh, huh. Batman Begins, guy in a suit, dead parents, trauma. Dark Knight, trauma, girlfriend <laughs> dead. Uh, <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, trauma, broken back, girlfriend still dead. Girlfriend and, tries and to girlfriend kill him.
2: stabs him.
1: <laughs> yeah, prestige, uh, trauma because of dead wife, need vengeance for dead wife. <laughs> Inception trauma loss isolation because of dead wife <laughs> interstellar loss of planet dead wife like it's i think he hates his wife i don't know but his wife produces <laughs> all of his movies for him so or, I, they or must he's be just, tight.
2: or he's like so afraid of losing her that he's like listen if you ever leave me i will murder everyone
1: and all of his movies are guys and he always wears really nice suits on set stuff he's always wearing like a three-piece suit an, i have a, a
2: question that yeah. i wanted to ask about the
0: prestige that i forgot to but like when you're watching that movie who do you think is the protagonist michael like, Kane. You side with <laughs> ah, it's what i was gonna say because
1: it's but, it's <laughs> it's that's told in different point of views as well like you're talking yeah, about and you, you for you the get, most of the movie i wanted hugh jackman's character to you know be the winner or whatever uh-huh. and then at the end you're just so gosh darn impressed with christian bale you have to root for him
2: and you right? find out hugh jackman's like way worse
1: yeah, you feel like he's worse. not what you think he is.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. He's, he's willing to murder hundreds of like he's willing to kill himself. Right. Spoiler alert again, yeah. over and over again. Like he's willing to kill a human being like a hundred times just to it, to beat this other guy at magic and ruin his life.
0: Yeah. For like ninety percent of the movie, Christian Bale is more devoted and like that's what makes him the better magician. And then at the end, Hugh Jackman devotes himself more, but it's almost too far. Like he goes too far over and misses the point still, which is why I always thought Christian Bale was the main character in that movie. But I I'm with Drew Crawford and we had talked about this earlier that I think Michael Caine is the kind of character that you're, that you, that Chris, that Christopher Nolan puts in the movie of like, this is a character that you can relate with. And he is just doing his job. He's trying to help these, these magicians out, but he doesn't go too far. He doesn't let his obsession overtake him the way that like like Hugh Jackman kills himself a ton of times and gets himself killed and then gets one of the brothers killed yeah the the twin brothers are so obsessed with their trick that they let their love interests go crazy one of them kills himself because they are too devoted to magic to care about the people that they love in their life whereas Michael Kane loves magic loves the magicians but does not is not obsessed I think prestige is more about obsession than it is about magic yeah Yeah. i I think that i think that's one of the few times a director can use a actor like michael Caine as effectively as he does in the prestige specifically because he gives you that a a, more than a list that's sir michael Caine yeah to put in a role that allows you to to relate to him so uh i think what do y'all decide christopher Nolan, good or bad
2: <laughs> is that what we were talking about? <laughs> I guess I think so. He's, my, he's my truth the, is that Christopher Nolan is the greatest director ever. That's he's the truth. greatest
1: director of this generation, at least. So I don't. Know I agree.
0: The, in this level of of the way movies are are digested or consumed now, I think he does it the best. Yeah. C seven
1: is out. 20. Yeah, Tenet coming out soon. Seven of his ten films are on IMDb's top 250 list. And I want to say he's got three in the Criterion collection. Drew, Alan, you might know more about that than I do. Um,
0: um, I, I, I think it's more. I think it's like six.
1: It's I'm a lot, sure. yeah. Whoa. And we probably don't have time to talk about the following, but that's a, that's another really cool Christopher Nolan little tidbit we can do some other time.
2: Yeah. Way out. Just give us one more. blah.
1: Due to uh, my computer turning off uh that my screen going blank i'm uh, not going to and regular in in good christopher nolan fashion i'm going to uh give you the next christopher nolan fact on next week's podcast
2: oh
1: non-linear non-linear lily just let the viewers make up
2: their own facts
1: <laughs> let the viewers decide their own
0: fact that's send really in, send in your own facts to our email which is guy <laughs> i'll go ahead and give it to him
1: NTPYD podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at NTPYD podcast. You guys really got to learn our handles at some point,
2: and, and please start your messages to us with blah and then <laughs> that would be fantastic. Thanks for listening. This is not the podcast. You visit.